Attention duelists! My hair is authorizing me to begin this podcast. I'm Nora, and I'm joined by Olivia. Hi. Um, I'm going to do something that is against the whole, seems seemingly against the whole spirit of this podcast, but I'm going mm-hmm. to throw away my dice right now, because I know that otherwise it is just going to make a racket for the entire podcast. Like, listen to this shit. That's a disaster. We can't have... I, I didn't hear have. a thing. I didn't hear a damn thing. Oh, it picked up on my fucking <laughs> microphone. <laughs> you know. Anyway, this is a firebomb and we can't have it lying around, so I'm going to chuck it over my shoulder. And... Would you, you roll? Well, I, I have a tube of dice. Fuck. So I didn't really roll anything. It just kind of... Whoop. Anyway. Okay, fine. Anyway, wait. Dice will come later in the show. You know how most podcasts will do like a little preamble that's like kind of related to the topic or they'll, you know, on GGP, they'll be like, oh, did you watch any anime today on mm-hmm. Reprise? They're always like, so what'd you do this week? <laughs> this week will be like, did you play any Yu-Gi-Oh? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next segment. <laughs> All right. Next segment. What did we watch this week? Well, did you, do you own a watch? Um... Yes, actually, and I technically own a fancy watch, but I've never once worn it. It was a present from my uncle. Have you ever gotten brain in a museum? Um. This week? (laughs) What do you mean? Because you've said that like three times, and I don't know what that expression means. I think it means head. Oh. But also because... There's mind shit, so brain okay, is the joke it. here. Nobody has ever visited the room of my mind. Damn. But if they did, it would be very twisted and very messed up. I could brave such depths. <laughs> uh, what did... I would fill your dark soul with light. Okay, that doesn't happen in this episode, though. No. Instead, since I don't think we have anything to talk about up front. No, come on, let's go. Well then, I will read us the summary <laughs> for Yu-Gi-Oh! 1998 episode 4. Theft! The legendary super rare watch. Honda buys a watch for Mio, and he gets lucky as he manages to get the last one in stock when a guy that obsessively <laughs> <laughs> Yeah? When a guy that obsessively can collects watches sees that there aren't any more watches, he steals the watch from Honda, who in turn gets slapped by an angry Miho. Yugi follows and gets beaten up as he attempts to reclaim the watch. However, as the thief tries to leave, Yami Yugi emerges and promptly challenges him to a shadow game for the watch. The thief loses, and Yugi returns the watch to Miho. As punishment, the man is turned into a living clock with watches embedded in his entire body and subsequently goes insane. Ooh. Then he goes home and smashes all his watches. Yeah, and his mom is upset. His mom. Uh, his Yeah, it is implied throughout the episode that he lives with his mom. Yeah. Yeah, how did you feel about this episode? Uh, I thought it was boring. <laughs> I like they really do just stretch out over 24 minutes the fact that the watch was stolen and after having stolen the watch the man just stands in the same room again 
and watches them freak out about having lost the watch. And then he don't forget that he uh, don't forget that he comes over to them and goes, hey, did you lose your watch, bitch? (laughs) (laughs) And then even Yugi, the the dumbest boy alive, goes, now, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I think that Jinochi and Honda are dumber than Yugi. That's true. I guess it's I guess it's mean to say Yugi is the dumbest boy alive, but he's not that bright. (laughs) That's correct. He's 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 got a uh, he's intuitive I think but he's not. Um, sorry, I'm just posting this frame that I found of uh, Anzu and Miho. Uh, with a uh, with a uh, Miho with her watch and Anzu giving her this bizarre look. This episode is really cartoony. Like, yeah. Uh, Honda has just become like a, a fucking Looney Tunes character. Like that sequence where he's waiting for Miho because she's like called him to meet her, meet him in the city in the morning. The like faces that he keeps making. <laughs> he's just he's he's a bizarre guy now. Um, but I think he's fun like this. I don't know. I like his dumb little sweater vest and like the the ridiculous yeah. lengths that he'll go for this girl who like obviously doesn't barely thinks of him. I'm starting to see why they took Miho out when they got to (laughs) Duel Monsters. Yeah. She's not the most interesting character. She seems to be just kind of, um... Girl want thing. Girl, uh, girl want pretty thing. And girl want boy to do thing for her that is hard. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know. Oh. I feel like I feel like she's underwritten. You could do more with this character. Yeah. You could. Um, and instead they uh, presumably cut that character and decided to put more effort into Tristan Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> God. What I'm honestly very interested to see what his character even is without Miho because it's like does he have a sister or does Joey have a Joey sister? has Joey's the one with a sister. The fuck does Tristan have? <laughs> I think he has nothing. I think he has his voice. <laughs> maybe, may I mean you know we'll probably see why the uh, why the abridged series episode is called that. Um. Well, yeah. Um, oh, that's him. How do you feel about... The Yamino game? The Yamino game. Well, I wanted to say, you said they were stretching out the episode. It definitely feels like this would be a fine chapter of a manga, but a bad episode of an anime. This would be a fine episode of an anime if the episodes were half-length, like a Steven Universe thing, mm. and you got two of them. This would be fine. Yeah. You really don't need that much time. Um, you really don't. I want to make like um, the Steven U- <laughs> the Cartoon Network cut of this episode. <laughs> the Rebecca Sugar cut. <laughs> oh, give me honestly, give me the Snyder cut of Yu Gi Oh. Every episode is an hour long. Uh, I mean, the Snyder cut of Yu Gi Oh is just just that arc where they're inside the bo- the tabletop game. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna get the Snyder cut of Yu-Gi-Oh. 
so the game is that the cuckoo clock on the floor will open up and have the watch on it. Hold on, you're burying you the want... lead that Yugi transports them to, like, a different dimension. This is implied with every Yamino game, though. I guess. This one just feels really ostentatious. Like, there's just gears everywhere. There's just gears. <laughs> no, they're not They're not connected. Yugi, they don't Yugi do things. Yugi took them to the, to the steampunk world. Yugi took them to the clock tower stage in Castlevania Judgment. <laughs> um... And so the cuckoo clock on the floor opens up and the little bird comes out. It's motherfucking life will end exactly 10 seconds from now. Um, you have to stop the, st- the timer on the, st- on the watch as close to 10 seconds as possible. Mm-hmm. But at 10 seconds, a pendulum will swing by and possibly hit you. It's a giant pendulum. It's very big. Uh, and so whoever gets closest... Without going over? Yeah, you're trying to get as wins. close to 10 seconds as possible without, like, getting your hand beat, beat to shit, I guess. By yeah. the pendulum. Now, why can't you just lie down on your back and reach up and, like, be totally safe? Um, it- I feel like that is something that Yami Yugi would, would uh, give you a penalty game for. I feel like he would say, hmm, well played. <laughs> well, here's the... Okay. So I guess the, like, actual thing that the guy is punished for is for refusing to accept that he lost. Um, But also, Yamayugi gave himself an advantage? And... Did he? I mean, he did... He stood on the side where the pendulum was, like, farther away from him. Yeah, but then it comes back the other way the next time. Oh, is that what that's implying? Because it's a pendulum. It swings back and forth. Well, yeah, but it crosses one specific part of the place in front of them. So it goes like, the bad guy is... The bad guy's on the leftmost. The pendulum cuts between him and the clock. And then Yugi is on the other side of the clock. It, It passes between... You and the thing, whichever side you're on. Oh. Because it passes between Yugi and the clock when it's his turn. Okay, so why does the guy want to switch places then? Because he thinks that it's going to come from the same side a second time. But it actually swings back. I don't really get what the difference is then. Well, it comes from the left instead of from the right. So his hand is ready to like roll to the left to avoid the thing but it actually came from the left so it hit him oh i thought yugi was standing in a place where it was fundamentally like harder for the pendulum to hit his hand so he no. so he had to pull it back less to avoid it which is why he had this advantage this advantage would also be given if you used your other hand to do <laughs> so i guess so i guess the thing that the guy does is that he just like loses once because he doesn't think and then gets like mad and demands a second round yeah, and he overthinks it, mm-hmm. and he loses again. And he loses again, and then Yugi makes him like a flesh golem, a clock golem. Clock golem. Um, a big fan of the frame in which Yugi is walking away with the watch, and the guy is just screaming, and they've translated his line as "I don't like this." <laughs> this is I don't like this. This is bad to me personally. <laughs> <sighs> 
How did how did you like the little touch where you never see his eyes and then when he's freaking out his glasses fall off and he has he now has fucked up watch eyes that make him look like a catboy. Cool. He does kind of look like a catboy. <laughs> um Yugi gets a crap beaten out of him a lot in this show, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's happened every single episode except for the next episode. But he's still four to five like beatings. Per episode. Some of which come from his own friends. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, to be fair, not since they became friends. That's true. <laughs> but uh episode five. Uh wait. Uh one last thing that I want to call attention to. When Yugi when like regular Yugi goes to give back the watch, he says, I found it under the stairs. So he doesn't seem to have a memory of confronting the guy. And then when Anzu is like, Yugi, you are visibly injured. Yugi goes, that's weird. I don't remember what happened. Yes. So he, the puzzle, hmm. does the puzzle give him fake memories of how he did what he wanted to do with, like with the assistance of Uh. the puzzle? It's implied in the next episode at the beginning that he just has memory lapses. Mm-hmm. I just... Hmm. But he would... It's like a bit of a weird situation. I guess just because we don't know all of... Like, the the fact that the puzzle's powers are a mystery is still kind of a thing. It, or is like a, a, a beat that they hit. But I'm just unclear in this scene whether Yugi is like lying to Anzu because he doesn't want to... So I'm confused as like, is Yugi lying to Anzu? Because he doesn't want to talk about how he got beaten up. And then two, I want to know, like, how does Yugi experience these events? You know? Wouldn't he re- well, wouldn't he remember himself getting beaten up by the watch guy and then just have a memory lapse and have the watch? You know? That's In that case, yes. I believe that... I believe that that would be the case. And he doesn't want to... I, in this case, I believe that would be him lying. Mm-hmm. But we know that he doesn't remember when he's Yami Yugi. Yeah. I just want to know, like... I want some Yugi interiority, you know? Because, like, he... Mm-hmm. He was getting the crap beaten out of him, and then he blacked out, and that guy was gone. You know? Like, it seems to me, like, if I would... You know, I would want Yugi to be like, what is going on with me? <laughs> but so far, he doesn't seem to really question it. And, in fact, the more strange things happen to him, the more he is just kind of comedy-like... Well, that's weird. Oh, well. Oh, well. I guess it contributes to this episode feeling basically like filler. Yeah. I feel like if if at the end of the epi- if the end of the episode had been kind of Yugi being like, "Man, weird stuff is happening to me." And then I, I don't know what's that, uh, what's up with that. And then episode 5 is like him getting like a clue to what was maybe happening. It would feel like there was more of a plot developing but so far it's kind of just like a thing it's just a weird guy you don't even see his eyes for the whole episode yeah um (laughs) i i really like after i just i like i guess i i find it funny that his like thing as a villain is like i'm a guy who loves collecting rare watches (laughs) i have like a little thing a little note to give on the next episode. Okay. 
which is that the summary on the Yu-Gi-Oh! wiki is 2,500 words long. Oh, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of words. Let's just get to it, then. Episode 5 is Now Revealed, Yugi's Secret. A man from ancient Egypt comes to the museum where he sees Yugi with the Millennium Puzzle. He travels into Yugi's mind to see if the puzzle really belongs to him. In there, the man from Egypt is challenged by Yami Yugi to a shadow game where he must find his soul room. The man from Egypt loses and he tells Yugi that he really is the owner of the Millennium Puzzle. He also reveals his name to be Shadi. Oh, I kept expecting more. I guess because you said the Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> wiki summary was going to be. Yeah, uh, what I read are the Wikipedia pages. Yeah. The, the Yu-Gi-Oh! wiki, extensive. It has headers, prologue, Domino Museum entrance, Domino <laughs> Museum, the Judgment of the Dead, Inside the Millennium Puzzle, epilogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the 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 like concept of this episode is that Yugi's grandfather knows an archaeologist who is doing a like um exhibit of ancient egyptian like artifacts um and so they go and there's a like rich guy who is bankrolling the whole thing and he really wants the millennium puzzle for himself so he convinces Yugi to like let him exhibit it at the exhibition for one day um, so that he can sell So that he can, like, pretend that he owns it and sell it. Um, I guess he just plans to tell Yugi to piss off and die when Yugi goes to get the puzzle, but... Yeah, he's rich. That's true. Um, they talk to the archaeologist. The archaeologist said... Uh, they talk to the archaeologist. Yugi goes, isn't it a little fucked to just kind of, like, dig up the treasures of another culture and then bring them to, uh, your own country to exhibit them in museums? And the guy goes, what? No, the... That's not fucked up at all. No. No, that's not how it works. These actually belong to Egypt. And then I'm like, well, then why are they in Japan? Well, then Shadi shows up and says, this is completely fucked. That is a man's remains that you have on display. His his anguish becomes tears in my eyes. And then he looks down at Yugi and ruffles his hair and says, cute boy. <laughs> cute boy. Shadi is a little cartoonish, but is completely right. That, yeah. that is the corpse of a human being that they have just put on display for fun in violation of uh, of his religious beliefs. Yeah. Uh, pretty fucked. Also the, Which are like... also, the way the rich guy is acting, like, uh, if the rich guy is just selling things from the museum to, like, random white people that show up as he tries to do with the Millennium Puzzle, clearly... Egypt does not own these these things that are being exhibited. <laughs> yeah. Clearly the archaeologist guy is full of shit. And then he, Yugi's like, wow, I thought archaeologists were all shallow people with greedy hearts. <laughs> and the archaeologist and then, is like, listen, boy. The archaeologist is, is presented as a good guy, whereas the museum guy is the guy who's corrupt. What? The archaeologist is like truly a romantic before a he puts romance before money because he's just so moved by the beauty of human civilizations. And then his friend is like, yes, and I'll sell them to you for $5,000. But at the same time, the business guy is like a piece of shit in the way that undercuts everything the archaeologist guy was saying. Yes. You know? So, 
it's a weird... I kept expecting a twist on the archaeologist guy as well, but the actual episode... I feel like that's a character from the next series, right? Like, isn't that the guy who gave Grandpa the Millennium Puzzle? Yeah. Or, or, or gave him the fucking blue eyes. Oh, is it is it the same archaeologist guy? I don't know. We didn't get a good look at that photo, but I thought maybe. Hmm. I guess that would make sense. I don't know. How many archaeologists is this old man in Japan supposed to be <laughs> supposed to be friendly with? <laughs> and how many does it take before you're like, hey grandpa, what were you up to? Hey grandpa, were you were you involved in neo-colonial plunder? Are you a grave robber? <laughs> Uh, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Yugi, I got up to a lot of shit before I founded this game shop. You know, Yugi, I got to do a lot of shit. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm post. Uh, I'm posting pictures of uh, Yami Yugi making a ridiculous face. My favorite part is where he's just sitting there and he says, "Yo, yo." <laughs> Yo. <laughs> it's no Yugi. It's oh. it's so funny that like Shoddy like opens the door to his uh mind palace. He's just sitting there, he goes, yo. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like so this old guy is selling the Millennium Puzzle. Shoddy goes there and is like, hey, this thing you're doing is a travesty. I'm going to judge the worth of your soul. With my Millennium items, because he has two. Um, he has two. He has two of he them. He has two Millennium items. He has the... What is this? Well, the first one is, like, the Millennium Scales, which he can... Yes. Which he, similarly to a Shadow game, can use to, like, weigh the the goodness in a person's heart um, and determine whether they are a good or evil person. Um, and then the second one... What is the second one? Is the key that allows him to look into somebody's Got mind. It. Thank you. Yeah, to go. He can like go into their mind and he says he says he can use it to destroy their personalities. <laughs> By like he <laughs> so he can go into somebody's mind which is visualized as a room and he says that by changing things in the room he can alter or destroy a person's personality. He says that after saying, I forgot to mention, I have special powers. Great line. <laughs> Just excellent line. <laughs> um, yeah, so he he judges the, the, the museum owner guy to be a real piece of shit, and then, like, similar to Yami Yugi, gives him, like, a punishment where his chair, tur- his chair turns into a demon and, like, eats him. Um, the way Shadi like, describes himself is that he's, like, an He's, like, one in a line of ancient protectors of, like, the, t- the tombs that these artifacts were all taken from. Um, mm-hmm. So he's just he- he's just here to kill and, <laughs> like, permanently, <laughs> permanently injure everybody who is involved in this excavation. Um, he's pr- Maybe he's going to alter their personalities so that they won't be neocolonial grave robbers. I mean, I gotta say, it seems a lot more... Just based on the old guy, it seems to be a lot more on the destroy than the altar. <laughs> you know? I mean, maybe this is the thing that Millennium Items do, right? Because we know that at some point, Yami Yugi does the mind crush. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the power... So. Like, the exact powers of the Millennium Puzzle, though, are a mystery even to Shadi. That's his motivation... Yes. 
When because nobody's completed it in three thousand years. Yeah. So when he sees it and then finds out that Yugi, you know, completed it, he is motivated chiefly by like going into the mind palace to find out what this thing actually does. Um, and then Yami Yugi takes him for a fucking ride. <laughs> like. Uh, the implication is that Shadi spends hours opening doors and, like, being almost killed by Yami Yugi's trips and tracks. Or traps. Because <laughs> we see, like... He gets blasted with water. He gets lit on fire. He gets, like... Boulders. Completely lost in this mage. Mage? This mage. Neither of us can speak. It's the power of the Millennium Puzzle. <laughs> Oh no, we're in a maze now. Uh, the uh, boulders fall. Every time fall. we start up, a- he opens the he right. boulders fall. He goes into a room. He goes into a room and the floor collapses. Um, every time we start recording, Olivia does say "game start," so I don't know what happens when we record, but it <laughs> it can't be good. And every time we finish a recording, I never remember what I, what we said on the episode. <laughs> I have to edit it and be like, wow, I didn't know I was this funny. Is that what you say? Yeah, that's what I say when I listen to the podcast, because I'm really funny and I make good jokes. <laughs> that's so true. Girls rock. <laughs> Girls rock. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Shadi, uh, Shadi loses the game. He's the only one who doesn't get a punishment game. Um, I guess because he just admits that he's lost, right? Yugi, like, But also, drops... when he says, I, su- I suppose I lost, and then Yugi says, no, maybe it's just the beginning. Hmm. So, so either your game is still ongoing, or, uh, is he, like, he found the room. I don't think that was the correct room, is the thing. I think I think hmm. Yugi being in the room, like Yami Yugi being in the room, was a trick. It hmm. was to get him to come into the room, think he'd won, and then drop the floor from under him. Like, but he didn't fall. No, the way I read the episode is like the shat- like the point of the shadow game is to like determine somebody's character, right? Yes. Yeah. And determine whether they're like good or evil, and so I would assume that. Shoddy and and so like evil people all the evil people we've seen refuse to accept their loss they try to cheat or like mm-hmm. beat the rules of the game uh but shoddy is like well looks like i've lost uh that's it i guess so i i think what that means is that yami yugi found him to like be in the right basically mm-hmm. you know he wanted to learn the truth of the millennium puzzle but he's not like a bad person um, even though he did threaten to destroy <laughs> Yami Yuki's personality. <laughs> but he and he is like, and I think because he ex- was ready to accept his defeat, that's why Yami Yugi steps in and like pulls him out of the hole and is like, you're all right. Mm-hmm. You're all right, kid. You pass the test. <laughs> you, you've solved my door puzzle. No. <laughs> uh-huh. So here's my question. Here's my question. In in Duel Monsters, the spirit in the mm-hmm. Millennium Puzzle is an is an is the spirit of a real life Egyptian pharaoh, right? Yes. 
And also there are all the characters in Duel Masters (laughs) Duel Monsters (laughs) all the characters in the show are reincarnations of ancient Egyptian people. That's true. Who exist and look identical to their modern counterparts. Uh-huh. <laughs> Is that spoilers to say? <laughs> um, I guess technically. But, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! is a very old series. So I think we are... Yeah. I think we've been operating for a while just on the premise of, like, look, we're gonna talk about spoilers. And, like, there are details that I don't know about this series, but, like, for the most part, I don't think you can spoil me on Yu-Gi-Oh! Mm-hmm. Even though I haven't seen most of it, I've sort of absorbed so much knowledge about it that I'm like, yeah, Bakura. <laughs> uh, Malik. Yeah. Merrick. Merrick? Yeah. I thought it was Malik. I'm, I I think in the fork, in the, like, WB dub, they translate it as Merrick. But I think maybe also... Due to the R and the L sounds being the same in, in Katagana. But I think also this is maybe a joke in Abridged Yu-Gi-Oh! Where one of them, Merrick is the normal one and Malik is the evil one, maybe? Hmm. I can't vouch for that. And then there's also the super evil one whose name is Melvin. Okay, I can't vouch for that. <laughs> I could be totally wrong. So Okay, gonna... so I wanted to say what I wanted to say. Yes. Which is, what I want to know is, is is the spirit a pharaoh in original Yu-Gi-Oh? Are we going to get that far? Because mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like the implication in this episode is that he is the power of the Millennium Puzzle. What the Millennium Puzzle does is creates this alternate personality within you. And that alternate personality will, like, fulfill your desires. I think... Because Shadi, Shadi wants to know what is the power of the Millennium Puzzle. Yeah, We've seen that other Millennium items can also create, like, shadow things and then inflict punishments yes. on people. And the what the Millennium Puzzle does is that, and it also created Yami Yugi. So I... It's, to, it's used... They say that it's you. It was used to judge, to find and, and judge issue criminals. punishment. So I guess Yami Yugi is the will of the Millennium Puzzle as like a punisher manifesting through Yugi. So in that sense, I would say that this version of Yami Yugi is not the Pharaoh Atem, but is like a co- construction. Of both Yugi's personality and the will of the object. Mm, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm, the vibe that I'm getting. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we only have we only have a limited amount of episodes, as opposed to yes. Duo Monsters, I guess, where the episodes are unlimited. <laughs> but unlimited anime. So I, it's actually somewhat limited. It's 224 episodes. Yeah, but comparatively. So I, I'm interested in seeing how this develops in original Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, is there a thread that is going to develop and finish and we're going to see a new version in Duel Monsters? Or is it just going to be, like, abandoned because the work fundamentally changes? Yeah, who knows? I mean, we also get a movie. So That's true. It's, it's worth remembering that 
there was a cap on this of some kind. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, it, I think it's we'll also worth pointing out that this is another episode that we are mostly going to like. This is an episode with a major sequence that we are going to see just like recreated in Dual Monsters. Though I think it's at the end of Duelist Kingdom. It's not early on, but we. I think Shadi like goes to Pegasus at the end of Duelist Kingdom and then ends up in Yugi's mind. I thought because I don't remember Shadi in Big Yugi. Big Yugi. <laughs> he he's there. I, I don't think, remember him I th- at. I know he is, but I know that as far as I watched, um, was like end of. Maybe end of Duelist Kingdom. I'm pretty sure he shows up uh, at the end of Duelist Kingdom. I think he takes Pegasus's Millennium Eye from him at the end of Duelist Kingdom. Mm. And then runs into Yugi, goes into Yugi's mind and finds the Pharaoh. That sounds pretty sick. I hope that's true. I'm pretty sure that's what happens. Uh, we'll find out in... year. Six? Two months? years. A year? <laughs> How many episodes could Duelist Kingdom really be? It's it's an anime arc, Michael. How many episodes could it be? Twelve? Uh, I guess it's... I guess Duelist Kingdom is the first season. Yeah. It's 49 <laughs> episodes long. Well, we're also going to watch one duel at a time. You know? Yes. So it's going to be multiple episodes. Anyway. Um... I also, can we talk, can we talk about Orientalism and neo-colonial plunder? Yeah. I, I don't have a ton to say. I just think this is a weird episode because it both Mm -hmm. like acknowledges that everything in this museum is stolen from Egypt for like the personal gain of individuals, but also Yugi has the Millennium Puzzle, which is the exact same thing, but he has a valid ownership over it by virtue of having completed the puzzle. And also... It is true that it is stolen from Egypt and is now in the hands of this Japanese boy, but Yugi himself didn't do that. Uh He was given it by a guy who was given it by a guy who was who stole it. I think you're I think it's one degree closer. I think a guy stole it, left it with Yugi's grandpa, and then Yugi took it. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Um and I don't know if that's the reason that there's no acknowledgement that Yugi is also <laughs> using like there is a certain degree of like oh this is like chosen you mm. yeah I think the thing the like the thing that makes that is supposed to like make this different from the museum is that you like the Millennium Puzzle is supposed is an object that is supposed to be solved by someone and the fact that Yugi has solved it like makes him the legitimate owner of the puzzle at this point in time. Mm-hmm. My question is, um, where's the box that it came in? Is that we're just not using that anymore? Does Yugi use it for like <laughs> pencils now? Does he put his Duel Monsters cards in the box? <laughs> I have a Yu-Gi-Oh tin on my desk right now. It's where I hold all my medicine. It's pretty convenient yeah, there for you that. Go. But 
Maybe maybe that maybe Yugi puts his hormones in there too. <laughs> How have we um, not done a transition timeline joke? On the t- because we have class. You our pin tweet is literally a rage comic. <laughs> yes, I, I acknowledge that. That is classier. <laughs> no, it's not. Hmm. Vote now with your phones. <laughs> Send us an email about whether a uh, about whether a uh, two months on T, three years on T joke would be less classy than the one Nora made about Yugi transforming into a leather queen. I think I'm more valid. Mm, I think they're equally. That's we are the email at gmail dot com. Yeah, we are the email at gmail dot com. I feel like I feel like they are both like low hanging fruit comedically. Yes. Yes. Which is convenient because Yugi is so short. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, I just wanted to like bring out that theme of the episode. Yeah. Um, for sure. And in my humble opinion, um, the show is wrong. <laughs> Yugi. Yugi is, a, I mean, who am I to argue with the magic artifact? But I think Yugi is also yes. a plunderer. <laughs> Yugi has a prized cultural artifact that he should return to the country of Egypt. It is a fake justification because magic's not real. Mm-hmm. Um, Yugi Moto okay. is a running dog of the bourgeoisie and he needs to be slaughtered. Wait, also, just thinking about how all these Egyptian characters are reincarnated as Japanese people? I don't want to think about that part yet. <laughs> that part's gonna hurt my head. <laughs> okay, yeah. No. Also, it might be different. It might that might not be the case. I nope, don't tell us <laughs> if we're wrong about future stuff. Because I think I okay, I think the thing about that arc, it might be a it might be that Atem and the the spirit in the Millennium Ring are like originally alive from that time and everyone else is it's more sort of like a visual thing to like be there for the audience. I don't know if we are I don't know if if Jonochi is actually supposed to be like a reincarnated <laughs> Egyptian soldier or whatever. We'll find out. Yeah. But... <laughs> I mean, I, I think I have a sneaking suspicion that, that Kaiba might actually be a reincarnated guy. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I feel like there is, there is textual evidence for Yugi, Kaiba, like, soulmates, like, rivals across time and space. Mm-hmm. Like, that kind of thing. Like, destined, destined friends slash rivals. Which I feel like you can do once... But if it really is the whole cast is reincarnated, then we're going to have a problem. But I feel like if it's like, just Kaiba is specifically born into this world to fight the Pharaoh, it's like, okay, fine. Whatever. That's kind of cool. That's fine, I guess. A little weird. When you do the entire cast, it's like, okay. Okay, no, no, no. I also think there is a human woman who gets transformed into the Blue-Eyes White Dragon. Yes. We'll see. Right. We'll see when we Nagini, get there. Nagini, the human woman. <laughs> we'll see that when we get there. Um. So, yeah. Do you want to read our emails? Our first email comes in from Kim, who says, If you look up Yu-Gi-Oh! anagrams, it can only be turned into Hugo and Yogi. Thanks, Kim. 
Hey, long-time listener, second-time emailing. Which Yu-Gi-Oh! characters introduced so far would be the best and worst at parkour slash free-running? Which Yu-Gi-Oh! cards just give you bad vibes? Thanks a lot. Have a good day. Okay. I think Anzu would be the best at parkour. I think it's Jonochi, and I think that will... I think we have textual evidence of Jonochi doing parkour in the next series. <laughs> okay. I don't remember this at all, and I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, because I remember uh, in the Abridged series at some point, somebody getting an epic Nightwish maneuver meme. Great. Okay. Uh, uh, so there is, you know, Grandpa's Dead parkour coming up. Okay. Now, Yu-Gi-Oh um, cards that give you bad vibes. I have one on hand. Oh. <sighs> I don't know that many Yu-Gi-Oh cards, so you go first. That's true. Uh, my my Yu-Gi-Oh card with bad vibes of choice is Ill Blood, uh, I L B L U D, which is a monster that looks like a weird man in pajamas, except the pajamas oh. are open, like down to his crotch, and there is a face, like peeking out from the from the zipper, and I hate that. Yeah, I. That's pretty bad. I don't like to look at that. Uh, I have here a um, creepiest Yu-Gi-Oh monsters.blogspot.com. Okay, send me the link to this so I can look at it too. We'll go over this really quick. Okay. You can hardly read the text because the background of this website is a bookshelf like picture. Hell yeah. So the white text is a little bit hard to read. Difficult. Okay, we we have Majigire Panda, Dark Necrofear, Sky Scourge, Invincil, Necroface. Oh, I don't like Necroface. Yeah, that's that doll from Resident Evil to me. Um, Outer Entity, uh, Nyarla. Nyarla. I guess that's the, the Cthulhu monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, parasite, parasite. That's just a bug. Um. Uh oh, but the the Japanese art is the reason for this. If you scroll down a little bit more, you'll get oh, some... it's like a guy with the parasite growing out of his face. Okay, that's creepy. Yeah. Um, that's pretty gimmick bad. puppet shadow feeler. It's like human <laughs> centipede, but if you glued their heads together, <laughs> that's goofy. This is what we look like recording a podcast. Oh, no. Uh, the 13th Grave. It's just a skeleton. It's not that creepy. It's just, but the description, a zombie that suddenly appeared from plot number 13, an empty grave. <sighs> uh, ill blood here at number so, two. You, the, the, the description from this blog is, um, I remember thinking that armored zombie was way creepier, but then I read the description, a zombie that blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay, wait. What in the flying fuck did I just read? Out of an empty grave? What in the name of the greatest giant explosive flying fuck is this thing? In all caps. Thank you, middle schooler who wrote this blog. <laughs> <laughs> Number two is a tie between ill blood and gate deeg. Um. Uh, gate deeg nuts. Thanks. Uh. Yeah. Uh, number one is 
Dokuro Yaiba, which is a blade boomerang with a skull on it. Let me... (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) The... Okay. So this the reasoning here is that this person had nightmares after seeing this car. Okay. Okay, but there's some incredible buried leads about them stealing acid from their grandfather's like place of employment to destroy the card because they hated it so much. Yes. It was too scary. Okay. All right. Well, you know, great talk. Great talk, top ten creepiest Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Do I have an answer for this? A Dokura Yaiba, obviously. I don't know if I have. Because this Google is just giving me, like, creepy shit that's all cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you want to move on? Yeah. Uh, Next email. I I didn't check the Twitter. But our next email. Let me get the Twitter questions. (laughs) Comes from Joao, who says, Hello, third-rate duelist with a fourth-rate deck. Wow. Okay, Joao. Do do you need to do this to me? You've asked for people to send you their favorite card, and mine is Dante, Traveler of the Burning Abyss. Both because my favorite deck revolves around him, and I like little guys who win duels by being really hard to get rid of. Okay, let's let's take Um, a second, and let's look at Dante. Dante, Traveler of the Burning Abyss. That's like Dante, like from... Dante. He is a oh look at this. He's guy. an X Y Z monster. Um, do you know how to summon those, Nora? Uh, you no. get two monsters of the required. You, well, you get multiple monsters of the required level onto the field at the same time, and then you can summon that monster by like merging all those monsters together and physically putting them under the card, and then you can detach uh. those cards to like power their effects. So Dante's effect is once per turn, you can detach one material from this card and choose a number from one to three then send that many cards from the top of your deck to the graveyard until the end of the turn. This card gains 500 attack for each card sent to the graveyard this way. If this card attacks, it is changed to defense position at the end of the battle phase. If this card is sent to the graveyard, you can target one burning abyss card in in your graveyard, accept this card and add it to your hand. Okay. I need to look at this Burning Abyss archetype so I can figure out uh, exactly how this deck works, I guess. But it's an interesting effect. It's like a graveyard engine, and it gives you a little bonus when it dies. Okay. This guy looks cool. Oh, I'm seeing Dante Pilgrim of the Burning Abyss, which is Dante, but he's leveled up. Ooh. Uh, You have to fusion summon him by fusing three Burning Abyss monsters. Um, he can't be targeted by card effects, and then once per turn, during either player's turn, you can send a Burning Abyss card from your hand to your graveyard and draw one card. Um. This card is destroyed by battle and sent to the graveyard, or if this card, or if this card you control is sent to your graveyard by an opponent's card effect, you can send one random card from your opponent's hand to the graveyard. Okay. That's like a draw engine. Alright. Anyway, yeah. Uh, about this ep- uh, Back to the email. <laughs> about this episode, um, the fact that we asked about neocolonial plunder, 
I unironically believe there is an anti-capitalist read you can do to the Yu-Gi-Oh! franchise as a whole. Sadly, I can't expand on that without giving spoilers. This is a fanfic pitch. Okay, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read Joao's fanfic pitch. Are you ready? Okay. On yeah. his blue eyes, <laughs> white dragon-shaped deathbed, an elderly Seto Kaiba asks why his holographic version of Yami Yugi is smiling, while both hear the sound of another chunk of Neo Domino City being destroyed as a consequence of a shadow duel. The ghost of the pharaoh laughs and gives a ten minutes long monologue about how letting western plunderers learn about the shadow duels was part of a long con done by Egyptian priests to get revenge. By letting a long line of twinks make duel monsters cards become a total become a totalizing aspect of society used to resolve every conflict and attract eldritch creatures, they made certain that the empire would crumble by fighting itself. Seto Kaiba realizes the moment he tore apart the fourth copy of the Blue-Eyes White Dragon, he doomed Western civilization. <laughs> That's pretty sick. That's pretty sick. Um, shadow duels and, like, shadow games, another thing I'm interested in seeing how they are portrayed in both series as time goes on. Uh, cause yeah, apparently this is how, like, ancient Egyptian pharaohs used to punish people, is <laughs> by subjecting them to yeah. the shadow games. Well, it seems to have worked out great for them. I guess, yeah. I think they might have all been killed by Zork, but maybe that's not in this continuity. Zork is in this continuity. Oh. I've seen the name on the summaries. Oh, fun. So, we are likely to be eaten by a Gru at some point. Alright. Uh, yeah. Did we get any responses to the tweet? Uh, our, mainly, our main response to the tweet was Joao asking <laughs> if if we would be into reading uh, an anti-imperialist Yu-Gi-Oh! fanfic. To which I said yes, and that's how we got the email. Okay. So, yeah. Um, what What are we watching next time? I will give our teasers... For next time. Uh, episode 6. Desperate Situation. The Passionate Battle of Friendship. Okay. First sentence of this summary. Shadi, the man from Egypt, attacks Professor Yoshimori and hospitalizes him. Okay. I guess the archaeologist guy's gonna get what he deserves, <laughs> too. Yeah. After that, we'll be watching number 7. The Underhanded Digital Pet Rebellion. <laughs> The popularity of digital pets leads to a contest, and Honda trains Mio's pets so they can go on holiday to Australia together. Alright, so is this show just divided so, into episodes, like, about the plot and episodes about Honda being a simp? Yes. Okay, well, you know, I guess there's worse ways to structure your anime. Um, yeah, well... There's some good shit coming up. We'll see. Oh. There's some capital H hijinks coming up in some some near episodes. All right. Hell yeah. Um, plug something. Okay. Uh, you should follow the podcast at uh, Attack Position on Twitter. And you should email the podcast at wearetheemail at gmail.com. Uh, before you do that, stay on Twitter, follow me at Greg Reeb and Nora at Neither Nora. Um, and I think that's all our plugs. Do you have any personal plugs? Um, listen to my podcast, any- Do Not Steal, 
which is a podcast about tabletop criticism and OCs. Nice. It's, it's a good, it's podcast. good podcast. We are releasing an episode. Um, we're releasing an episode on the same day that this comes out, actually. So you got a double feature to listen to. Oh, sure. I expect you all to get on it. You can find my game club podcast, Journal Updated, where we play games about choices and branching narratives, at the second best game club. No, the second best game dot club. There you go. Uh, we just put up our episode on Tyranny, which was kind of a snooze. Uh, but this month we're playing Bioshock. Um, a game that is basically 45 minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. It's like eight hours, but you know. Better than, uh, Mass Effect. By a long shot. And the month after that, um, we'll be doing Undertale, which is considerably longer, I think, than Bioshock. I actually don't know how long Undertale is. Um... You should also go to exportodd.io to support the Patreon. A uh, couple things are coming soon uh, over there. First of all, I just put up an export audio episode that is very near and dear to my heart, where I read to Jackson a summary of a thing I wanted to write when I was 19 that is um, pretty incomprehensible and... Uh, very fun to go back to and see, like, oh, this is, like, here's the laundry list of all the shit I was really into at the time. <laughs> you're you're um, so brave. This is honestly, like, the bravest thing you can possibly do as a human being. <laughs> uh, I've always wanted to be a writer since I was, like, 13, and I gave more shots at that in my teens than I have since. Uh, probably because uh, I have a job now, <laughs> and it's hard. <laughs> Um, and I'm not part of a writer's group anymore that, um, you know, there's no social pressure on me to actually write anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a really fun episode. Jackson was, as always, a delight to have on. Uh, I also have done some more Let's Plays on exportaudio slash video, which is our YouTube channel. Uh, I'm also going to be doing a patron-exclusive Let's Play on the Export Audio Patreon um, there's a poll up right now for patrons to vote on what game, uh, that'll be. Right now, it's leaning pretty heavily toward Ultima 1. So, that'll be fun. I think that game is, like, really short and basic in the same way that, like, or really small and basic in the way that, like, Rogue or Dragon Quest 1 is, which I'm very uh, excited to, to jump into. Mm-hmm. Um... I've played maybe an hour or two of it so far on my own, and it was just really fun. I had a good time with it. Uh, other plugs? I don't know. Uh, a thing I also want to do on the YouTube is there's a D&D roguelike dungeon hack, which I just put out an Exquisite Corpse video for because I lost my audio the first time I played it. Uh, and I would love if anybody listening, if you've played Dungeons and Dragons, you have an old character sheet lying around, send it to me. I'll take your character. I'll put them in the roguelike and see how they do. Uh, you can put any stats you want on your character when you build them. So, well, really, as long as they don't, as long as they don't violate the minimums for the whatever class you choose, 
you can set the stats to be whatever you want, which, you know, there's no reason not to just put everything at 18, except uh, if you want to, like, do a specific character. Because these, these games are built so that you can play D&D and then just take your guy and plug him into the computer game and have that guy in the computer mm-hmm. game. So, I've already done a couple of my old characters. Some characters that I built but never got to play. I have a lot of those lying around because... Uh, I used to just build third edition D&D characters for fun. Like, I would just get a concept and just build that guy mm. uh, just for fun. And uh, I really enjoyed that. So I've got plenty of guys to go through. But I would love if anybody else wanted to, like, send me their guys and I'll play them on the channel in the in the roguelike. Yeah, it, it sounds fun. It'd be fun. Um, if I had my old 3.5 character, I would send him to you. But he's dead. <laughs> you don't have the don't have those stats. No, anymore. I didn't. Ke- I didn't keep my D and D three point five character sheet from middle school. No. Well, I have a binder somewhere that I can't find, but it does have all my sheets in it from when I first got into tabletop, which admittedly was in twenty twelve. But um, God, that was uh, nine years ago. Um. But it, it had, like, my first ever D&D character in there that I would love to find that sheet again, which was, I just, because I hadn't, like, fully joined the group yet, I played, I took over, like, an NPC that had recently been introduced, and we turned that into a player character for a session. Mm-hmm. So his name was Grell Bloodsmith. He was a half-orc. Yeah, I've, heard, I've heard of he Grell had a big Bloodsmith. Axe. Yeah. His, he's, because he's a half-orc, his name is hyphenated, because it's the two last names of his... Of his parents. I thought I always thought that was a fun little thing. His parents' last name... One of his parents' last names was Blood? Yeah. That's the human side. Okay, you got me there. <laughs> okay. The Smiths were the orc side of the family. Okay, you got me there. <laughs> Alright. I'll admit defeat. Um, like Shadi, almost falling into the <laughs> hole. I will admit defeat. <laughs> This is only the beginning. Okay, please, um, please reach out a kind hand to me and end the podcast. All right. Um, Do you remember our sign off? Do we? Until next time, get off my deck. Get off my deck. <laughs> <laughs>